For the last 22 years, I've been rocking stages, playing in clubs, and having a lot of fun as a DJ and turntablist, and I've seen and learned a lot. Now it's time for me to share that knowledge by answering the questions that can help you become a better DJ. I'm DJ TLM, and this is Share the Knowledge. Today's podcast is brought to you by Banzoogle. Yes, yes, it's that time again. It's your boy DJ TLM, and you're checking out the Share the Knowledge podcast. Welcome to my Q&A show for DJs. If you're tuning in on iTunes, Anchor, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you're using, big shout out to you. And if you're checking out one of the video clips, including this intro on my YouTube channel, DJ TLM TV, uh, salute to you. Like I said, this is my Q&A show. I get a lot of questions on a weekly basis, all DJ related, and I just like to talk about Anything that I can do to add some value to the DJ community, answer some questions, and get you involved as well. So before I get into any of the topics, I just want to add once again, uh, I really appreciate the fact that a lot of you are active in the comment section, be it on YouTube, Instagram, uh, Facebook, wherever. I see people asking questions and I see other people answering those questions because they feel they have an answer or at least can attribute something to the conversation. And I think that's a, that's a perfect thing because I'm not the all-knowing DJ. I have my 25 years of experience as a DJ, uh, but those are from my perspective. And there's so much more when it comes to the whole DJ um, game, DJ world, and everyone has their own experience. So I'll continue to talk about this because I see that it's actually happening and that shared knowledge is growing, not just as a saying, but as an actual attitude. And that's what I just like to see. A lot of people like to keep it to themselves, uh, are not really into sharing or are not open to other styles, other ideas. And I never feel that's a productive way to go about things. So, uh, yeah, just truly appreciate to see what you guys are doing and always appreciate the feedback that I receive as well. Now, if you want to ask me a question for a future episode or just in general a question, there's plenty of ways to reach me. All the addresses and links to Facebook groups, email, uh, all my social media, it will all be in the description box down below whether you're tuning in on YouTube or any of the other platforms, make sure you always check the description box. Also, if there's anything I feel I left out during a story, especially if it's some important info, I'll drop that in the description box as well. So for instance, if I can't think of a name of a certain product that I want to share with you guys, I'll make sure to add it in the comment section as well or in the description box as well. Quick update. I've been working on a couple of reviews and those reviews are definitely hitting YouTube soon. I've been, uh, if you're watching the video clip, you can see it in the back. I have the SX3 over there. I have the XDJ RX2 over there. And I also have, it's not in the background, the DDJ1000. Uh, I've been testing them at home. I did an overview of the SX3. I've been using the XTJ RX2 for a couple of live shows as well. Uh, used it during um, uh, a festival gig with Brain Power with like 14,000 people, something like that. Uh, brought it out. I used it for um, uh, a different TV performance. And uh, yeah, really, really, really like that. I was going to use the DDJ 1000. Uh, during a gig yesterday, 
that was going to be a cool gig. I thought, let me bring that DDJ 1000 so I can get that through some uh, live experience as well. But when we got there, it turned out that they already had a DJ booth set up. It had like uh, three CDJ 2000s in there. They had a DJM 900, not a Nexus 2, but a 900 in there. Uh, and it was not like a regular setup. It was built in to the actual DJ uh, desk, the booth that they had. Now, mind you, this was not me doing a two-hour DJ set. This was not me with brain power doing like uh, an hour-long show. This was uh, a benefit. It had like, I don't know, maybe like 30, 40 different artists and guests. And Brainpower did two songs. I was part of one song, just doing some cuts. And of course, I do backings. So in this case, it did not make a lot of sense to get them to totally rearrange everything just so I could set up the DDJ 1000 when I can do those cuts perfectly fine on a CDJ 2000. So I knew it was not going to hurt my performance in any way. Uh, and I'm not going to totally stress out that organization because they were kind of stressed out already just because I want to take a couple shots for YouTube for my review. So I did not get to try it there, but I have been working with it and it's cool. I'm going to be doing a comparison video as well just to give a good overview of some of the best that Pioneer has to offer right now if you're looking for controllers or just standalone players because I think that the SX3, the DDJ1000, and the XDJ RX2 are definitely some of your best options if you're looking for anything past an entry-level controller. I mean, if you're just starting out, you don't have a lot of dough, don't even think about these devices, then you just need to be looking at your entry-level controller. That could be a SB3 if you're into Pioneer and you want Serato, or they have their... Um, their record box line, look into those controllers. And of course, there are other brands out there as well that work with different software. So don't go out of your way to look at these if you're just starting out. If you're not even sure if this is something you want to do long term, then you don't want to spend more than a couple of hundred on a controller to get started. But if you've been at it a little bit longer or you've been using other people's equipment and you know this is something you really want to do and you've checked out the functionality on entry-level controllers, you see what you get when you get one of these. These are some pretty cool options. Now, do I have a favorite when it comes to these three? They are totally different, but uh, right off the bat, I would probably say my choice would be between the XDJ RX2 and probably the DDJ1000. And I really, really like the standalone feature of that XDJ RX2. That is, to me, something that I find lately to be very useful for certain gigs that I do. I'm not talking about my DJ gigs, but I do a lot of shows with Brain Power. I'm a tour DJ as well, so I've been touring with him for the last 20 years. When I do shows with him, I do all of the backings, so I'm rapping with him. And I have scratches that I perform during certain songs. So I do a couple of cuts here and there, but I spend a lot of time just in front of my set on stage uh, performing with brain power. And I always brought my turntables and mixer. It is my all-time favorite setup, of course. And when we do full shows, uh, like uh, with, a, with a full band or like full orchestra, in most occasions, I would bring a big setup, the total setup. 
But we also had shows where it was pretty obvious that either there was not a lot of room on stage and we were with a lot of people or there was really limited time for the setup or for a changeover uh, or it was a shorter show where I'm only doing like one or two cuts. In those situations, bringing something like the XDJ RX2 that I can just put on a table, they bring out a couple of XLR cables, uh, I hook it up to power, put in a flash drive and I'm ready that is a very comfortable feeling. Also, when I'm done with the show and I have to get my equipment, I only have to pull out those two cables and my power cable, and I can put it on my arm and be gone. I can't do that with a full setup. It will never take the place of my turntable setup. And if you heard the podcast um, last time when I was talking about my dream setup, I uh, also did a video about that, the, the video clip. Um Standalone is something I would look for, but I would definitely need uh, the, the moving platters. That's really personally for me, but that is the feeling I definitely prefer. But I'll, I'll, I'll just show you all of the features on these devices. But I think these are a couple of, uh, definitely when it comes to Pioneer, some of your best options that you have. So the DJM Rec review, that's dropping first. That's dropping actually uh, today, same day as the podcast. Uh, shout out to all fathers, by the way, just to throw that in there. I'm recording this in advance, so the podcast will be out. When you're hearing this, it's Monday. Right now, it's Sunday. It's Father's Day. Uh, shout out to all the real dads out there. But um, the DJM Rec review, that's dropping also today, Monday, same day as the podcast. Um, yeah, I had a good time testing that one. Really like it as a recording app if you're in the market for a recording app. Um, and you have one of the compatible mixers for that recording app because it only works with uh, DJM 900 Nexus 2, I believe the 750 Mark II, right now I'm freestyling, the 450 and the DJM Tour set. Now, I know most of you will not have that Tour set. That is that most expensive Pioneer DJ set with the big screens, which costs like 10000 or more. Uh, I, I forgot the price, but it was crazy expensive. Um but it's a recording app that allows you to record straight from the mixer through USB with a lightning cable into your iPhone uh, to get digital, uh, a digital signal. That's pretty cool, but it has a couple of extra features that I really like, so you should check that review out, uh, especially when it comes to using the limiter inside the mixer, which will make sure that you can't clip the recording. That is a great one. Compared to when I use my normal analog audio recorder, I have to really be careful with my um, with my output because otherwise you will get that clipping and that can mess up a recording. And if you're into using the Nexus 2 with CDJ2000 Nexus 2 and you use that ProLink setup, then it can also automatically get the uh, track information. It can sense when you mix it sees the fader information and it'll set track markers with the track info. So that's pretty cool. But I don't use the CDJ, so it's not for me. But it's a nice feature to have on there. Uh, but that's it as far as my update. I have those reviews uh, coming. Check out that Rec app uh, review right now. DDJ1000, XTJ RX2, and a comparison video. And I'll talk more about the SX3, even though I did the overview. So right now I want to talk about monitoring during your DJ gig, and that is because of a question that I received from Jay, and the question is, I recently did a gig at a local skating ring, and I had a ball. The only issue was there were no monitors, and the DJ booth is too small for me to bring a speaker. How should I handle this? There are going to be situations 
where you're playing at a venue, at a spot, a bar, private party, whatever it is that either does not have the room for monitor speakers. I know it happens or they just don't have monitor speakers at all. This could be a miscommunication. They were supposed to have it. They didn't have it. It doesn't really matter. You will eventually run into a situation where you might have to do a gig without monitor speakers. Now, if it's in your contract, you have a choice to say, look, you don't have what I need. I'm not going to play. That's up to you. Uh, then again, it would be great just to have that ability to play even if there are no monitor speakers. Now, the answer is actually pretty simple. You are going to have to do it in your headphones. I prefer to play with one ear on and one ear off. So I have monitor speakers normally. I can hear what I'm playing through the monitor speakers, and then I cue the next track on my headphones, but I do it on one side so I can still hear the monitor speaker. I'm hearing what's being played in the room, and on the other ear, I'm now cueing, and I'm beat matching, and I'm getting that next track ready. That's how I prefer to play, but I know plenty of DJs who just mix in their headphones, so they always have both uh, ears covered. They listen to everything through the headphones. And I've done a couple of gigs where I didn't really have an option and playing with just the headphones, mixing in the headphones was my only option because they either had no monitor speakers or there was just an issue with the sound that even with the monitor speaker, I could not get a clear, um, clear monitoring going on. Uh, I don't remember exactly why. I just remember that I just skipped that and went straight to the headphones because it wasn't working. Um, look, you're going to have to also practice at home to mix with everything through the headphones. The reason why I chose to do one ear and one off is it makes it easier for me, especially in the beginning, it made it easier for me to distinguish which one is which. So when you're beat matching and you want to match up the tracks, you're listening to sounds in, in the beat to hear if it's playing in sync or if it's playing too slow or too fast. I found that it was easier to recognize uh, by having the focus on the headphones here and also hearing the other track on the other side. It made it easier for me to hear a distinction between the two. Um, but you should also learn how to do it on the, in the headphones and just have the headphones on and uh, focus on tracks that way. So on your mixer, you have the option to listen to the master. So then you hear what's playing through the speakers or you can put it on cue and now you can choose to hear what's going on on an individual channel. It all depends on the mixer, but most mixers will have a way for you to monitor what's happening on a single channel or you can probably press two cues and hear what's going on on both channels. Uh, then the Pioneer mixes will also have a knob that allows you to mix between hearing the master hearing cue or going in the middle where you can hear the master and also cue a channel that you can hear together with the master. So there are plenty of ways to work with this. You're going to have to find a preferred method for you, but learn how to also just hear what's going on with everything in the headphones when you hear the track that's playing and when you hear the track that you're cueing. Uh, that'll take some practice if you're used to doing a different method. But in situations like the situation Jay was in at that skating rink where there were no monitors and you can't bring a speaker, that's your only option. You're going to have to do it that way. Um, that's the simple answer. Practice doing that. And even if you end up never playing that way, 
having that skill, being able to do that is your plan B just in case something ever goes wrong. And just keep in mind, everything goes wrong sometimes. And it's always great if you are prepared for those situations. So practice and you'll be good. So while we're on the subject of monitoring, I have another question about audio, uh, question all the way from Hungary. And the question is, there is a situation when uh, two tracks are on the same game level, but one of them sounds much louder when I start the mix. Uh, I've got my music from record pools mostly, so the quality is okay. I would like to ask, do you prepare your music? I mean, normalizing, compressing before you use them. Um, all right. No, I don't. Uh, especially when it comes to music that I get from like good sources. So I get it from uh, a DJ pool and I know that it's a 320 uh, MP3. I use MP3 most of the times. I know it's not the same quality as WAV files, but from the DJ pools, I get it like that. I'm content with that. It works. Um, in most occasions, I don't do anything to those tracks because the audio is going to be okay. Uh, I definitely don't compress and stuff like that because those tracks should already be mixed and mastered. So they've been through all sorts of processing before, including compression in most occasions. So I don't want to start compressing tracks that already had that done to them um, and take even more of the uh, uh, dynamic range out of that track. So I don't go about that. Now, if I ever run into a track that sounds like there's just not enough volume on it, and I don't have that happen now, but I've had it in the past. And in that case, if I can tell that it's like missing out on a lot, then I might actually put it into audio editing program and uh, do a little bit to it. Uh, but most of the times I don't have to do that. Now, you say that if you have the gain level the same, that one track can still be louder. And yes, of course it can. Look, using the gain on your mixer is not saying that two tracks are playing at the same volume. That's just not the case. So just looking at the gain, that's not the right way to go about it. You actually listen and you look at your view meters to see how it's registering. So you could have both on... Um, on whatever, or right in the middle, and one could be at a nice zero dB while the other one could be louder or less loud. That's when you adjust that trim, that gain, to get them to the same level. So you're using your eyes and, of course, your ears. If you're monitoring on your headphones, you can probably hear, like, hey, this one is way louder. Let me turn it down. It has to be a combination because the VU meter is not always the only thing you should look at because even if two tracks are showing that they're both playing exactly at zero dB on your meter, they can still sound differently because of the different frequencies that one might have a lot more mid or high in there, which gives it a different tone. The other one might have more low in there, uh, which makes them sound differently and makes them sound more or less loud. So it is a combination of eyes and ears when it comes to that. But of course, it is a first grade indication. If one of them is all the way in the red and the other one is green, most likely you will have to adjust that trim to get them to about the same level, but then you use your ears to make sure. Um, so that's the only thing you have to look at. I definitely don't uh, go 
and and uh, edit or master all my tracks again to get them exactly at that same level. You still want to trust on those eyes and ears while you're mixing. Now, if you're using DJ software and certain tracks are not loud enough, you can adjust it in your DJ software as well uh, if it's a little bit too loud or not. But if I run into tracks like that, most likely I'll do that edit myself so I don't have to rely on the software to take care of that afterwards. Uh, so I hope that helps you out. And just know the eyes and ears, man. And don't compress tracks that you get from DJ Pools. You're going to mess them up more than you actually enhance them. But right now, a quick announcement reminder for the people who joined, who took part in my giveaway for Algorithm DJ2. Uh, I gave away 10 DJ2 apps for iOS in a video to celebrate the 50th episode. This is episode 54 already. And I sent 10 winners a message on YouTube and I have not received a single answer. So if you took part in that giveaway contest, please check out your YouTube inbox. I know most of you don't, but that was my only way to actually reach you guys because I'm not gonna do it in the comment section. Um, but I don't think people are using it because YouTube just recently sent me an announcement that in a month or two, they're actually cutting that whole messaging service so it's gone because no one's using it but i used it to send you a message so make sure you check your inbox 10 people got an announcement from me like hey look you're the winner i need your info so i can send you the code for the app so please check that inbox uh, if i don't get any answers in this week i'll have to redo that contest through uh Twitter or Instagram, probably Instagram, because uh, I don't think this really works. For the modern day DJ, producer or musician, it's more important than ever to make sure you have an online presence. And having your own website is key. Bazooko makes it easy to build a stunning website for your music in minutes. You can choose from hundreds of mobile friendly themes and then customize your design and content in a few clicks with Bazooko's easy visual editor. Now all the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including tools to sell your music and merch commission free, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, and integration to pull in content from all your online services, including Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. I use Bazooko to create the Share the Knowledge podcast website and that was very easy. Bazooko plans start at just $8.29 a month and include your own free custom domain name. Now, if you want to try it out for free for 30 days, click on the link in the description box down below and be sure to use the promo code SHARE to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. Uh, I just want to talk real quick about a question that I received and I receive questions like this more often and the question uh, was from Sean. The question was... Um, I have my first gig this Saturday. Uh, mind you, the question is two weeks old, so I, I saw this too late. Um, in NYC, and if I have any tips. Uh, now, just before I started recording, I actually sent a reply just to ask how it went, and um, just in case there was an answer, and actually an answer is coming in right now. Um, it went good, but I was hella silent. Nice mix, though. So, okay, I, I, I guess it definitely went well. That's good to hear. But my reason for bringing up this question is I receive questions like this more often, and they're pretty broad questions. So if someone asks me, I have my first gig, do you have any tips? Well, there's plenty of things we could definitely talk about. Um, I'd like to start with the simple one or the first thing that comes to mind, and that is be prepared. 
Now, when I say be prepared, I'm not necessarily talking about your mix because that all depends on how you play. If you play freestyle, then you're not preparing your mix. Uh, if you like to prepare tracks and track lists and sets, then you are actually preparing and that's going to take uh, a different type of preparation. Uh, if you've never played in front of people before, you probably don't have a lot of uh, skills reading the crowd. So playing freestyle is probably more difficult. But again, I don't know how you play. But when I say be prepared, I'm talking about everything surrounding the gig. So you want to make sure you get all the information you need. You want to know exactly what type of people are attending because that's going to give you a much more clear indication of what you can and can't play. Now, of course, you want to know what type of event it is, so what type of music is expected from you by the promoter, club owner, whoever booked you. But even if you know the genre, it's also good to know what type of people are attending, old, young, mixed crowd. Uh, all of that can play a part. So it's good to know things like that. Also, when I say be prepared, I'm talking about having a little bit of communication to make sure that the right equipment is there. Or if you're not ready to send out a technical writer with what you need, uh, you still want to make sure that you know exactly what that club has. Now, if you have the option to actually go to that club before your gig, then you can also check out their setup. How does their DJ booth uh, uh, look? How much space do you have? What type of equipment is it? How can I see the crowd? Can I see the crowd? Some DJ booth in some places are like set up horribly where you don't have a clear view of the crowd. Now, for me as a freestyle DJ, I want to see the crowd when I play. Uh, and I've played at spots where I could hardly see the crowd. That's not great. But if you know stuff like that in advance, then it's not going to shock you on that day. Again, it's your first gig. You're going to have nerves, but you want to make sure that anything that could potentially uh, make you more nervous is taken care of. That's when I say be prepared. If you already have all the information, you know exactly what type of people, what type of music, uh, you know what type of setup there is, that's going to put you at ease a little bit and allow you to pick the right tracks and stuff like that. Uh, you want to make sure that you go there way in advance so you can check out everything. If there's any technical issues, you know in advance. Uh, make sure you know what time you're playing. Are you the warm-up DJ? Are you playing more prime time? Are you playing at the end of the night? This also changes what type of tracks you will play. Now, if you're not the first DJ playing, but you're playing later, you still want to come early so you can check out the other DJs, hear what they're playing, how they're playing. That way, you know exactly at what part of the evening you're falling in, what type of vibe they set, and you can take it from there. Now, it's your first gig, so it's probably all gonna be a little bit hard, but all of those things can help. I will add, if it's your first gig and you're there in advance, you come early, it is possible that that's actually gonna cause you to build up more nervousness because you can see that clock taken away. It's coming closer to your uh, actual hour of play. But still, you wanna hear what's being played, how they're playing. Um, 
Well, there's plenty more things to go uh, to talk about. The one thing I want to mention is don't be afraid to make mistakes. It's your first gig. So when things go wrong, they go wrong, but you continue to go on because a large portion of that crowd is not paying attention to the technical aspects of DJing. They just hear the track that you're playing. So even if your mix is not buttery smooth, the transition didn't go all the way you wanted it to go, uh, something went wrong with the EQ, whatever, as soon as it happens, let it go and continue. That is very important. Don't linger on the mistakes because if you do, that's going to make you more nervous. You're going to start sending out a vibe that things are not going well. And when people catch wind of that, um, then they start to judge you a little bit different. So you want to just try to keep that confidence up. I had to go check my GoPro on the back for a second. I don't know what that thing is doing, but it lost its mind. Luckily, I'm not recording on that right now. I was taking a little behind the scenes footage. I'll check what happened with that later. But uh, like I said, you just want to make sure that you just focus on having fun and grabbing those right tracks and don't mind mistakes and don't try to have the perfect set because it's your first gig. That probably won't happen. Uh, you just want to make sure that you stay in the moment and and uh, try to have some fun, man. It's a learning experience. It's an experience for you, your first time playing in front of people. So try to get the most out of that moment, seeing a crowd's reaction, because probably if you've never played for people, you don't have that experience. Now you can see what it's like to actually read a crowd when you play a track, how they react, stuff like that. That experience is great. So I already know it went well in this case, so that's cool to, uh, cool to hear. I might ask you to elaborate a little bit more what went well and what didn't. Uh, what else is he saying? Also, now that I have your attention, just wanted to say uh, I'm a big fan. Never stop what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm going to let you know right now with a reply that you made it onto the podcast. So uh, salute to you. Good to hear that everything went well. And that's just one piece of advice. There's a lot more to talk about, uh, but that actually works better if you know the person's current status. So if I know what someone's level is, uh, how they play, seeing them play, then I could have more tips like, hey, make sure you watch it when you go about this, or I see that you do a lot of that, you should take care, blah, blah, whatever. It's hard for me if someone just tells me it's my first gig, uh, what should I pay attention to? So preparation is a big one though, man. Preparation can take care of so much, uh, can 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 uh, relieve you of so much stress when you know that you have everything you need and you know exactly what's being expected there. Uh, I know that for a fact. I've did gigs where I did not really know what was going on, what was supposed to happen. And I know I felt different at gigs like that compared to gigs where I knew exactly what was expected of me. So let's get into this question from Andre. And the question is, what are your thoughts about open air festival music and how do you pick your music as a hip hop and R&B DJ mostly about these type of events? Do you play funk, soul, drum, and bass too? Because the mainstream music will not work, in my opinion, for these type of events. Uh, peace out, bro. Keep killing it. Salute to you. I'm not sure how to answer this because this might be different in different places. Now, if we're talking about open-air festivals, to me, an open-air festival is not a festival that uh, has certain genres of music i know in the past festivals were really uh, had clear labels but i know here at least in the netherlands 
we have a lot of different festivals that will have all sorts of music present. So what I see at most festivals here is you have the festival. It has a name. It has a, a large terrain. And on that terrain, they'll have different stages and sometimes tents. And all of those stages will have their own theme. And most of the times, a lot of those stages are actually hosted by an event. So we have a lot of events here in uh, in the city, in Amsterdam, that um, you might have a hip-hop and R&B event that's always at this club in this city and that club in that city. And they'll also have a stage at this and that festival. So when you come to their stage at the festival, they will play the same music that they play at their normal club nights. So at a lot of festivals here, you'll have a couple of stages that will have more house music. And then you probably have a stage that has current hip hop and R&B. Some will have like a drum and bass stage or a future uh, R&B future uh, uh, stage. And uh, also I do, for instance, I have a lot of bookings coming up now at festivals here where I'm actually playing at the throwback stage. And in those cases, we're talking about the stage where they have DJs playing like 90s and zeros, hip hop and R&B. So at that same festival, so for instance, if I take one of the festivals that I have next month, uh, Encore Festival, it's at a big terrain. They have, I think, like four or five stages. They have one area, and that area is all dancehall. Nothing but dancehall. They have a couple of live acts, dancehall DJs, and that's all you're going to hear at that stage. Then they have the main stage, and at that stage, they have mostly what happens during the normal encore events. So it's the new hip-hop and R&B, also a lot of Dutch artists and a lot of the sounds that are popular here right now. And then every year they'll have like acts, also international acts uh, going from anything like they had DJ Mustard, they've had, uh, uh, I think, Ray Schremer, Migos, but all those sorts of acts. And they perform at that stage. So you're going to get all that music there. They also have their throwback stage. And I played there last year, playing there this year. And at our stage all day, we're playing 90s and zeros, hip hop and R&B. Um, so it all really depends on what happens at a festival like that. If I get booked or I get a booking request for a festival, um, I hear in advance what is expected of me. So if I'm playing at a festival and I'm not playing at the throwback stage, but I'm playing at their main stage, then I'm supposed to be playing what they normally play during their normal nights or what their theme is. So I make sure I check in advance what is expected of me. Now, in my, uh, in my case... I don't get requests for bookings that require me to play stuff I don't play because they know what to uh, reach out for when they approach me. Um, but for me, it's pretty easy what to select because I know exactly what I'm there to play. Um, so if I go back to the question, so uh, do you play funk, soul, drum and bass too? It all depends. If I'm playing at um, a stage or at a festival and at this festival, I know I can take it anywhere I want to take it, um, then I might actually bring anything. And I might play hip-hop, R&B, but I might take it back to some old-school ska and then play some two-step garage, whatever. Whatever comes to mind, whatever fits the vibe that I'm in 
And of course, it's a festival. Most of the times you're going to have a bigger stage, larger audience. They come to that festival to have an all-out good time. So I'm skipping the warm-up stage, and I'm trying to hit them with some nice bangers. Um, but it's real hard for me to say that I judge it in any other way. Uh, I make sure I know in advance what I'm there for. So if you're getting requests to play at a festival, you want to make sure you do your research. Again, going back to preparation and research. Um to know exactly what is expected of you. And within that, you need to find a track list that fits you. So even at that throwback stage, there are going to be tracks that most of the DJs that play at that stage will have in their folders, like the sure shots. But you're going to define what sets you apart is the couple of tracks in there that you will play that the other DJ is probably not playing. And that's because it's your personal preference. Um, so... This might not answer your question. Maybe I'm not understanding the question all the way. Maybe it is totally different where you're at, that at open air festivals, it's pretty clear what they're playing. Uh, and I'm not understanding it. Um, but that's what it's like over here. So for me, picking the music um, is easy, man. I don't, I don't treat it that different from a club situation. I'm trying to get people to go all out in a club. I'm trying to get them to go all out at a festival as well. And I see a lot of DJs here do that same thing. If they're playing some bangers at the club, they'll play those bangers at a festival too. Um, I'd like to hear your opinion when it comes to this though. Um, so that's going to be my question of the day. Is your track list for a festival really different from a track list at the clubs? Uh, for some of you, this might be an obvious answer that you're like, yes, of course. And for others, it will probably be no, it's not. I'm giving you my perspective. Now, I don't play as many festivals as a lot of other DJs, but my track list at a festival will not be something totally different than what I would do at a club. Now, I might try to add a couple of extra like small routines in there that can set me apart. I did that last year at the Encore Festival as well. I did a little uh, Michael Jackson routine, not the same one I have on my uh, other YouTube channel, but I had a couple uh, uh, edits, did a little juggling, backspinning, uh, played around with a couple of things just because I knew the other DJs on that stage were definitely not doing that. So I wanted to have a couple of little things that could set me apart that I don't always necessarily do at a club, but sometimes I even do. But that's the question of the day. Are your track lists or is your set at a festival really different from a set at a club? Let us know in the comment section. Join the conversation. Share the knowledge. So that's it for episode 54 of Share the Knowledge. Uh, thanks for tuning in. If you're listening on iTunes, Anchor, SoundCloud, or whichever platform you're using for podcasts, this is the full episode. If you want to check out some of the video clips of the podcast and all my other DJ-related videos, make sure you check me on YouTube, DJ TLMTV. Subscribe and activate notifications. If you have any questions, all the links, once again, are in the description box down below on social, DJ TLM, email, Facebook group, Check out the links, check out the links, check out the links. Make sure you answer the question of the day, and I'll be back next Monday with a new episode. Peace.